Welcome to the Get Your Edge podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bott from Sports Advantage, live from Sports Advantage Dog over in Wanakee. I'm here with my co-host, Coach Dean Manchi. Coach, how we doing? Doing really good. You know, Christmas is coming up. It's always exciting. You know, the kids are ready to rock and roll, get this training weekend, and then get a week off and just, you know, be a kid and enjoy being spending a lot of time with family. And we know we got a big snowstorm coming in, and we were just talking to that before we hit the record here. But uh, hopefully that doesn't uh, affect many people's plans for the holidays here. Well, this one's going to air, if I'm not mistaken, Dean, this one's going to air on Christmas Day, right? Yes, absolutely. Or, or a week after, I'm not sure. Yeah, somewhere. Let's yeah, do a so, Christmas Day. Let's do a Christmas yeah, Day. Yeah, we're going to light this one up on Christmas Day. We got a, we got an awesome guest here. Dog, I'm, I'm knocking back a, a Zoa energy drink here. I've been uh, I've been at Sports Advantage. This, this is Monday the, the 19th here. I've been here since 3:30. We're we're watering it, that's for sure. Um, but we got a great guest. We're we're really excited um, to bring on uh, another competitive athlete, another competitive female athlete um, that is that is really setting the bar high for females in the weight room. Um, it's really exciting, Dean. You know, we've had a couple really awesome female guests on. We've had a lot of great guests on, just yes. pure and simple, male, female, all over the place. Um, but again, we really love talking to the the people that are in the weight room on a daily basis. And so we're going to bring on Mary Tyson Lappin. Mary, how are you? I'm good. I'm like you said, I'm trying to figure out my Christmas travel plans with the snow. And um, we have our down here, the kids have two weeks off for Christmas. So we have our wow. high school kids at the gym a little bit extra wow. this this wow. week. So that's been kind of nice. Yeah, I know they're 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 in and out here. Some some kids got off middle of the week through. Some kids got two weeks. Some kids got one week. But you know, at the end of the day, it's a great time of the year, and uh, everybody needs to be grateful for the things that they have. Right. Um, you know, and and we talk about it. We've talked about it in the last couple of podcasts. You know, there are some people out there that aren't as fortunate as some of you listening. So maybe take the time to to help them out if you can. Um, and make everybody's Christmas season uh, really special. But Mary, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about that Olympic weightlifting stuff that you got going on right now. Okay. Um, yeah, I started weightlifting almost five years ago now. Um, I did it, picked it up just for fun. You know, I there there's a weightlifting, like a recruiting program that USA Weightlifting has. And I kind of got plucked from that. So they kind of found out like some, someone kind of basically like told on me, I would say. <laughs> from my college lifting days from track and field. And they were like, you should have her lift. She's super strong. And I was like, I'm really not interested in it. I didn't really want to, you know, do anything competitive again, or not that I don't like working hard, but I didn't really want to work hard again when it came to that, <laughs> you know, like I kind of wanted to just be like a normal person. Um, but yeah, I ended up turning into a lot more. And so I've been competing for, like I said, a little, about five years now sure. in it. And so, yeah, it's, it's been really, really great. Mary, let's go back to high school. Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Yep. I'm from Fort athlete. Talk yep. about that. And I know your parents have had, been huge supporters yep. of you all the way throughout your career yeah. when you were at Indiana State, the Winona State before that. But let's talk about that. Yeah. Being a three-sport athlete and how that shaped you to the, okay. the experience you're doing right now. Going, yeah, honestly, definitely. So, I yeah, I played soccer in high – I played volleyball and soccer in the fall – and then I played basketball in the winter, which was my favorite. Basketball was always my favorite. And then I played track in the spring. Um, I tried softball. I tried um, 
all kinds of stuff. We, my sisters and I, I'm one of four girls and we played sports all growing up. I think we all probably tried a little bit of everything, but yeah, my parents were pretty much, I mean, they made whatever we wanted to happen, happen. You know, they, they worked jobs, but of course it's expensive to have four kids and all these sports and all this stuff, you know, and um, running us around wherever we needed to be. And so yeah, yeah, it was a lot, a very busy childhood, but it was awesome and I wouldn't have changed it. Um, but yeah, I played mostly did the soccer thing, basketball and track. I think they all kind of did a well, a pretty good job of helping each other out. You know, like I'd go into basketball season, always probably the most in shape out of my whole team, even though I was a big girl, just because I played soccer, you know. So and then going into track, I was always kind of naturally strong, not nearly as strong as I am now. I didn't really lift much in high school. We didn't I went to a really small high school, so we didn't have much for it, especially honestly for girls. So most of the lifting was done by, you know, football and all that. And I didn't play football. So, but yeah, it was, it was awesome. I, I loved playing all those sports. I loved being busy. I loved making friends from the teams. Again, my school was small. So most of my teammates were the same people, but yeah, it was, I wouldn't change it for anything. I always tell everybody that I talk to, especially kids. Now I feel like a lot more kids feel like they should specialize in sports. And I always, I'm like, no, 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 do not do it. Like, you know, cause I, I think just it causes the burnout to be really high and it's like I think it's important for kids to be kids and play and you know I know some schools and some sports teams are more competitive than others but I think it's important for kids to just like move and you know make friends on the team and do something active and you know challenge themselves in different ways and whatnot and so I think it's a huge advantage to do multiple sports I never think people should just do one especially when they're young. Well, and I think, you know, Dean, you as a track, you guys both have coached track and field. I think yeah. track is like the ultimate sport for kids that maybe don't have a, a, a place mm -hmm. in, in the spring sports, right? It's a great developer of athletes for, for all your different sports, right. whether you're a fault, you know, whether you're, you just love volleyball or you just love mm -hmm. anything else, but track is, is so wonderful because you have to compete and the eyes are on you, right. you know, especially like as a thrower or or whatnot, you're, you're standing in a circle by yourself, yeah. you know, or you walk up to that line on yourself and the watch doesn't lie, mm -hmm. you know? And I think it's, it's great that it seems like the sport of track and field has grown so much Dino and, and both you guys over the last 20 years, because I think people are starting to associate it with, you know, the, the physical parameters that other sports are looking for. And I think track is that, that, a great sport for all, everybody to go out for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. I definitely think that. Yeah, Brian. And I think the big thing is when I talk to a lot of high school athletes, the thing that they really enjoy about track is it's so individual. And a lot of times, for example, when they're in that team sport, Mary, you can you know talk about your experience, but many times you're so dependent on the people around you. For mm -hmm. example, in football, you got 11 people out there trying to execute the same play and, I think that can get frustrating for some people that are very competitive and yeah. that really like to work hard. And when they get in a sport such as track and it's more individual, say you're going into the ring, you know, it's you and there's, you know, the tape measure doesn't lie. Or if you're sprinting, you know, that time isn't going to lie as far as the timing system goes. So is that kind of what you, your decision was when you went to college, what you wanted to get into or were you just better in track than you were the other sports? You know, how did you decide? Oh, yeah. To, to do, you know, a sport in college? 
Um, so I, I was, like I said, basketball is for sure my favorite. And I, I mean, I skipped prom for AU basketball. I got my license when I was 18 because I didn't want to take driver's ed because <coughs> of AAU basketball, like all these, I loved basketball and I was good at it, but I wasn't as good at it as I was in track. Um, and I, I think it was probably about my sophomore year. I started realizing like, okay, I'm probably going to end up going to college to do track, started getting like letters and whatnot. And I I'm tall. I'm like five, nine, but I'm not like basketball tall. You know, I mean, the girls that play my position in basketball are six feet or taller, you know? So I was, I'm like strong and I kind of like buff, like bully my way through the, like the basket and whatnot, but I'm, I'm not college basketball, like talented. So I pretty much, like I said, decided I was, I was still trying hard in basketball. I was still trying hard on my other sports. I still enjoyed it in high school. And, but I did kind of have that crossover and that realization that I was going to probably go to college for track. And I was, if I tried really hard, I could probably get money for it. So um, that's obviously helpful, especially with a bunch of kids in your family, you know? So um, yeah, I just, I, I thought I knew what I wanted for college. I looked at a bunch of different schools. I narrowed it down to all the schools closest to me because I'm close to my family and I wanted to stay close. Um, I narrowed it down to Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Winona State, which is a D2 in Minnesota. Um, went to Wisconsin first, went to Minnesota second, went to Winona State just to rule it out, and that's where I ended up going. So um, I loved it there. I it was a I was there for about four hours, and at the other schools I was there for like two days and went to big football games and all these awesome hotels and awesome meals. And I just felt really at home at Winona. I was only an hour from home and um, my teammates were awesome. And at that time when I was there, even those D2, like the the worst part about going there was that I had to tell people that I turned down like Wisconsin to go to Winona state. Cause in high school, everybody's like, Oh, you're dumb for doing that. But in reality, it was an awesome experience. And I had one of the best teams in the country, like regardless of division we had, I mean, when I was there, we had five, five or six girls that threw over 150 feet in the discus, which is like pretty much unheard of. So yeah, we had a really, we had like six girls placing in the top eight at conference. It was like super, super fun. And I really, really liked it there. My coach was awesome. It, but yeah, that was kind of how I ended up there over basketball. So then Mary, you transferred to Indiana State. Is that correct? Yeah, I did. So what? Yeah. So it sounds like you really loved Winona State. What kind of I led did. Yeah. 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 So, Basically, what so my freshman year at Winona State, I was supposed to win nationals that year, and I was kind of, I, of course, like I was excited about that, and I was like thinking, like, oh, like I'm like doing so well, I should be winning as a freshman. But then a little bit of me too was like, should I be supposed to winning a national meet when I'm 19? Like, I feel like maybe I took the easy way out. Maybe I took the easy way out of going close to home. Maybe I like settled. Um, and then I had a horrible meet. I took eighth. I threw the worst I threw all year. And I was I was really mad. And I'm like, oh, screw this. I'm going to transfer. I never should have came <clears> here in the first place. And then I decided, my parents and I sat down. And they're what, much more voice of reason than I was at the time. <laughs> I was like a mad 19-year-old, you know? So we decided, if you want to leave, that's fine. But you're not going to decide on a bad meet. Like, you're going to, like, decide when you're level-headed and you're whatnot. So... At that meet, I actually ended up meeting a boy and he was in Indiana. And so that whole year we like dated long distance. And then after that year, I won nationals my sophomore year. And then I was like, okay, now I'll leave. So I looked at Indiana State, Purdue, IU, Notre Dame, all the schools in Indiana, because that's where he was. So basically the first school that I ended up coming up with the most money was Indiana State. And I'm like, okay, I'll go there. 
and then I moved to here and then he broke up with me that week so it was like boys yeah I know so it was a blessing in disguise it was like I needed to become more independent be away from home you know and I'm like I'm pretty religious so that was kind of my way of thinking like this is a really like messed up way for you to do this to me lord but I guess I'll be more independent and you know get over this heartbreak by myself instead of being five minutes from my parents you know so it was a it was a weird reason as to why but I never like I usually don't leave that out because I don't want people to be like that's not what happened you know (laughs) everyone knows it happened but it ended up being great my coach is really great and kind of changed in from like a really good discus or and decent shot putter to a really good shot putter and a decent discus or so um yeah learned a lot more about hammer and weight because my coach was a she was an olympian in the hammer and a first woman to throw 80 feet in the weight so um it was a good experience it was just a kind of a silly route how i got there mary after after your college days of yeah. school, like when that was over you, you decided to get into coaching yep. and that's where i met you at uw oshkosh yep. You had an outstanding job there. I mean, you just did an incredible yeah. job with the throwers there at UW Oshkosh. And for those listeners that don't know UW Oshkosh, Division Three mm-hmm. school that uh, participates in the WEAC, and you know some great throwers have come out of UW Oshkosh. And you know everything was going good. Every time I saw you, you were just loving it. You enjoyed yeah. your job. Just have a tremendous connection with all the athletes, and yeah. you always you you just got that bubbly personality and. You get people to really enjoy throwing at yeah. a level where the kids aren't getting scholarships. So right. it's not yeah, different. Yeah. So all of a sudden the change to Olympic weightlifting competitively. Mm-hmm. So just kind of go through your decision because you know, so many people they get in a comfortable position, they like yeah. the position, they're very successful in the position. And then all of a sudden, now this is a big career change for you. So yeah. explain that to us. Yeah. So basically when COVID happened, it honestly, like as crappy as COVID was, and I would never like say that I'm glad it happened because so many people had such horrible things happen to them. But I think I tried to use it the best I could. So for me, I was furloughed during COVID. So I was super, super sad because I'm like, I'm not important to my job. I, they just can get rid of me, blah, blah. So basically I got a, like a trial run of being a full-time athlete without working. So I spent five months lifting as hard as I could. Right before the pandemic, I decided to change coaches um, for weightlifting. I, my coach, my previous coach wasn't really big in, big on remote coaching since I was far away. I was thinking I needed someone who had had more experience with it. So I ended up switching coaches and I chose my coach now because number one, he's big on remote, which is a big thing I needed. And also he was a good thrower. So I thought maybe some of the the tactics and some of the cues and whatnot and some of the things that we could talk about when it came from the relate like the relationship between throwing and lifting might carry over nice. So I thought he was a good dude and good coach. So I decided to switch to him. So we spent the five months of COVID that furlough time basically training and I got super strong and then go back to school when I get brought back after furlough and I was still doing really well, but it was really hard to manage both. Also, I, I, I went from having a really small group when I got to Oshkosh to having about 24 athletes. So I was having like three or four groups per day of practice because I'm like kind of a control freak and I didn't want like 12, 10, 10, 12, 15 people at practice. So I'd have like three or four groups of like six to eight. 
So I was at practice all day and I would keep my administrative work basically for at home. And if I, I would always give myself like a two or three hour break in the middle of the day to lift, try to give myself the best time that I thought I would lift, but also make sure the kids had what they needed. So eventually that whole year went, that was the best year I've ever coached the best the kids ever did. And I'm not saying it was all because of me, like I had some really, really good athletes. Um, and I just tried to make sure I didn't mess it up. So, but yeah, they did really well. And I kind of thought maybe I was, my husband and I had talked about it a bunch. Like you have two years, basically I'm older than most of the people I compete with. So we're basically like, you have two years to like make this team or three years, I guess at the time. And so we kind of just decided like, it's time to quit. You need to decide if you're going to be like decent at both at coaching and lifting or really good at one. And so I decided to quit work and I've been training full-time since basically summer of last summer, basically I've been training full-time. So also I don't have to manage my, my meets with the, the track meets. So there's a couple important meets that I always needed to compete on that were the same as our opening meet of the track track season. So the last two years, I didn't even go to our first meet of track because I had a meet that I needed to go to for qualification. So as I was getting better at weightlifting, the, it was harder to do both. It was hard to get harder to be both places I needed to be. And so basically I just had to make a decision and that was kind of what I decided. So. So when you say that team, what team are you talking about? So I'm talking about like, um, Pan American team, yeah. the Olympic team, um, the Olympic qualification starts now. Pretty so, soon, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Olympic qualification for weightlifting starts two years in front of the Olympics because you have to be drug tested for that amount of time. So you can't just like show up and be like all doped up and then be like, Oh, just kidding. You know? So they, they start it really early. Uh -huh. Weightlifting is in kind of some hot water with the Olympic committee because there's a lot of drug, like a lot of drug use in weightlifting. Yep. And so we have to be, they're really, really, really like careful about qualification to make sure that everybody's clean for a specific amount of time. So there's meets we have to do next year. My meets, they'll be in Argentina in March, Cuba in June, Saudi Arabia in September and potentially Doha in December. So okay. like really big, important, like meets you have to get drug tested all of them it's just it's a big deal it's a lot of like really hard qualification stuff mary through weightlifting have you ever met colin burns you know colin burns at all i know who he is i yeah. actually i actually know his wife really well yeah so yeah. colin was an intern with me at wisconsin oh okay okay and am team right i think he dislocated his yeah, shoulder. yeah yeah i think he started i think i started after he was like kind of on those teams yeah but i definitely know who he is like i said i know i'm really i'm actually kind of not going into business, but like I'm helping his wife with like her business. So his yeah. wife makes like these really beautiful custom singlets for weightlifters. Sure. And so she's always made mine. Yeah. And so I'm going to kind of like go into business with her and I'm going to help design some of them. And like, yeah, we'll have like a little thing going together. So I'm excited. That's awesome. That's yeah. cool. What a cool connection. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So speaking of, of setbacks, is there, is there, um, we all have them as athletes, right? Yeah. Is yeah. was there a ever a time where you had like a setback that kind of changed your, you know, thought process on different sports or kind of motivated you or stuff like that? And then you know, flip the flip the coin a little bit. Is there something like a lift that you were just like, 
you know, those moments, and it could not be your best lift of all time, yeah, but yeah. just a, a moment that you hit a lift that was just like, you know, you yeah. hit that euphoria stage, right? Yeah. So I'll flip them and talk about yeah. the first one. So in March at the Arnold, which is like one of the most fun things yep. ever. If you could ever go, if you haven't been, you have to go. It's like so fun. So this, the last couple of years, they did this thing called the rogue stage. So it was basically this giant stage where like the top 10 women, top 10 men lift on that stage instead of like at the, like the normal weightlifting meet. So at Mar in March this year, I lifted there and it was training was going okay, but not like amazing, but I'm like a big adrenaline person. So like, I really like in track, my biggest PRs were like when people, my teammates were slow clapping and like, I just really, really like that adrenaline. And I like, I always threw the farthest on my first throw. Cause I was so excited, you know? So at the Arnold, I, I snatched. Okay. I'm snatch is something I struggle with more compared to the clean and jerk. We didn't snatch much in college, so I'm still learning. Um, but I broke the American record at that meet in the clean and jerk. So that was probably wow. my meet. And I was like, and I, the crazy thing is, is I had attempted the American record at the Arnold in 2020. So like to break that record at the same meet two years later, it was pretty neat. So that's, awesome. that's probably my meet that I was like, it was the most fun I've ever had. Um, so then after that, I was like super excited. I'm like, okay, things are going really well. We're, we're figuring it out. And then at nationals in July, that was in Vegas. <clears throat> I, I had a freak incident in the clean and jerk, same exact weight that I had made in March at the Arnold. And it was to make the world team. And I just like, basically I just like failed really stupid. Like it, I failed the way away. I've never seen anybody fail. And I dropped it on myself and I like, I had two high ankle sprains. So basically my, I landed on my knees, but my ankles are pointing away, like a weight left to yeah. right. Of me. And I dropped the weight on my thighs and it squished me basically. And my ankles were touching the ground and I'm like, not that mobile. Like I'm mobile for like a big girl, but I'm not touch my ankles to the ground mobile. So I ended up having two ankle sprains and Achilles sprain and a small tear in my foot. Oh so my God, I wasn't, I like could barely put weight on my feet for like a week at least. And the thing is sucks. I've, I've never, I've sprained my ankles a million times because soccer and basketball, but I've never done them both at once. And I don't think I've ever had a high ankle sprain. So basically my x-ray came back and like my fib tib were like way stretched out. And they're like, you have to let this heal. You're going to have to get like a surgery on it. So that was like the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Like probably in anything athletic especially because I'm like, like I said, I'm older and I just feel like I don't really have as much time to like waste. So basically I ended up doing like upper body work for like two months. This is all happening. Like as we're selling our house, as we're moving to Indiana to train. So I'm like, I'm moving 10 hours from home and I can't even do what I'm move, like moving for. But luckily our gym where I am now is like a giant, giant gym. There's like weightlifting stuff that my coach rents out in this, in the corner, but right it's like there's tons of equipment and like all these different things I could do while I was recovering like upper body and all that so finally I'm like I'm not exact like perfectly right where I was but it kind of made me like take a step back and like realize okay I need to use this time for the best I can like I need to get my nutrition in check my sleep in check my mental health in check like I started doing sports psychology like all these things that I was like all right, if I can't lift, I'm going to do everything I can't, I don't normally do. Like I don't focus as much. So kind of developed a plan on how I'm going to go about the next basically two years and basically decide if I'm going to go all in, I'm going to go all in. And if I make the Olympic team, 
that's obviously the goal. And if I don't, I know I did everything I could. Right. So that was kind of, like I said, the worst thing that's happened to me, but I'm feeling like I'm getting pretty close to where I was before. Good. So that, yeah. Mary, talk about the difference between remote training and now you're in Indiana and yep. you're training with your coach. Yep. So, you know, now it's, it's hands-on and, and yep. talk about just that environment because, you know, let's face it, anybody that does anything at the Olympics, that's the best, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, so your goals and everything, you need to be pushed. You need to be around an incredible environment. So just yeah. talk a little bit about your coach and that environment that you're training and yeah. how it's helping you attain the goals that you set forth. Yeah. So the, actually the biggest advantage of me moving down here is that there'd been times, I mean, my coach is like busy. He has three little boys and like, he's got a remote team. He's got like a business where he sells like weightlifting equipment, like knee sleeves, <laughs> all these things for it. So like, he's actually really busy. So if I was at home before I moved and I was training and things were going like horribly, I'd usually text him and be like, this is not going okay. Like, I don't know what I should do. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I don't know if I should just stop. I don't know if I should go down. But like the best thing about being here is he sees it all, you know? So if I'm, if I'm lifting horribly, he's like, all right, scratch that plan. We're going to change the plan. We're going to work on this, you know? So it's been super nice to have him there and he's very flexible. So it's like, like you said, if I'm having a really terrible day or say I have that injury, like he's right there to be able to see like, like this is what's happening. Or if I have like, I had my left knee was hurting one day when my knees have never hurt before in my life. And he's like, well, I can see like when I watch you squat from behind, I can see that you're shifting over because your, your right ankle hurts. So your left knee is taking. So it's like things like that, that he sees now, instead of me just being like, I don't know what's wrong, you know? So, and he's super smart. So he can kind of like modify things right on the spot and, Sure. Like I trust, I trust him with whatever. So if he says, like, if I, if I freak out because I'm like, well, why well, I, I didn't finish the workout. I didn't finish what you wrote. And he's like, so what? We'll do this and you'll be able to do better next time. So yeah, it's, it's been really, really awesome. And then I have, I have a bunch of teammates I train with, but I have two specific teammates that I would call like my training partners. Um, One's a 22 year old boy and one's an 18 year old boy, but they're stupid strong like just so talented and um so they're pushing me all the time and like not to sound like a jerk but like it's hard to find a lot of women that can push me you know strength right. so like I mean unless it's a super heavyweight typically they're not lifting the same I am you know so and honestly we have a small there's not a ton of super heavyweight women there's not a ton of super heavyweight men either you know I always say that like the really, really good super heavyweight in the United States are throwing shot putter in the NFL. You know, right. they're not, why would they do weightlifting when you can, you know, do one of those, you can make more money and it's probably more fun Some for some people, you know? Um, but yeah. yeah, so those two boys, they push me hard. Um, it's crazy. There's a, the 18 year old, he's, he's a freshman at IU and I said, dude, I'm going to move down to Indiana and you're going to outlift me. And he's a 67 kilo weightlifter. Like he's wow. like 150 pounds, like, and we're snatching and clean and jerking similar numbers. Like he's super good. That's so awesome. yeah, it's an awesome little group and they're fun and they're super, super positive, which I need. So it's just kind of the three of us doing our thing. And then we have a bunch of other friends on the team as well, but yeah, it's a, it's a really, really good group down here. It's amazing how, you know, synergistically like powerlifting and, and weightlifting, you know, that it, 
it, there's still a team, right? You're still, you're still a team. You're still looking out for each other. And we've seen that with some of the other people we've talked to Dean, like Laura and, and Leah, you know, that your team is there for you, you know, and, and yeah. you know, you're not just in there lifting by yourself, worrying about yourself, right? You do your, your lift or, or whatever you're supposed to do. And you have three or four, not, you know, you have your coach, but you also have two or three other people watching you. Right. You know I mean? So having those extra eyes is, is awesome. Um, yeah. So Mary, uh, you know, as a female weightlifter, yeah, you know what I mean? Um, which is such a great, being such a great role model for female athletes. Right. I think there's, there's no doubt that, you know, over the past probably quarter of a century that the stigmatism of, you know, women shouldn't lift weights and all that other stuff that's gone. Right. Yeah. And I think not only, you know, with, with people like you that are are setting the bar extremely high in Olympic weightlifting, but people like Leah in powerlifting and then the CrossFit games have really done a great job in so many different ways of really promoting just stronger women, right? Yeah. Not, not like fit, but like stronger women, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is really, which is healthy, yeah, very yeah, healthy. Yeah. Um, so we have a lot of female athletes that listen and, and female coaches too that may need a little kick, you know, to get their female athletes in the weight room a little bit more. Yeah. Um, what would be, you know, your get your edge advice for those people that are listening um, about training and stuff like that? Um, so I always, I joke about this kind of a little bit at the gym. So I have a team, well, I guess I'd call her a teammate. She's um, a thrower. She's a high school thrower. She's one of the best throwers in the country. She's a junior this year. So she threw 49.6 and 163 last year as a sophomore. So she will go wherever she wants. She's been, we've been going through like colleges together. And I've Hold been on. Kind of, I'm not, Dean, is that good? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So she'll, she's actually going, yeah, she's, she's been doing all her visits. I don't, I probably shouldn't say more than that just in case, but yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. So she, so she is one that we have had to like really talk to about, like, you need to work harder, like in the gym, yeah. you need to like, like, I think, so this is my joke is I think she thinks, and I think a lot of young females think that if they go to the gym and lift hard once, they're going to like all of a sudden look like me. Like, I think they think that they're going to be like, I'm very broad. I'm a big girl. I weigh almost 300 pounds. Like I am a big, big girl. And a lot of that is genetics. You know, a lot yeah. of that is that I got a big dad and with a broad back and I work hard and I've gotten big too, you know, yeah. but I think these young girls think that they're going to just go to the gym twice and turn into this giant human being. And in reality, they might, I mean, you'll be able to tell they'll lift, you know, they'll be able to tell they're working out and getting fit, but like, it's just so much more than that, you know? And I think if they were to see like the correlation between just getting a little stronger, getting a little faster because they're stronger, more powerful, like their other sports are going to be so much better. You know, before I moved away, I helped coach a high school girls powerlifting team their first year at Oshkosh Lords. And nice. a lot of those girls were, and I, I know, I know a lot about powerlifting, but not like a ton. So like my sister was a world champion powerlifter. So like, she's really strong and my oh, dad's wow. like big into it and my sisters all did it. So I, well, you got some good genetics in your family. Holy yeah. well, my mom was like, really like my mom is small, but she still has school records in her high school for track. And my wow. dad's like really big and really strong. So, but these girls, I think they started to see it. Like they were really timid at first and I'd see them like doing their lifting and, 
they'll be like, is that good? I'm like, no, you just did that. Like you was empty bar, you know? And I think sometimes you have to be kind of like silly with them about it too. Like, you know, like not hard on them, but a little bit. Like if you just kind of joke about it and be like, that was the easiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like you need to put more weight on the bar. Yeah. You know, so I think just making like, especially young girls and even boys that haven't been in the gym that much. Cause I think there's plenty of like young boys that like maybe are intimidated by the big, strong guys on the team, Yeah. you know, that just need to be like, I'm coaching a boy in weightlifting right now. And he's a senior in high school and he wants nothing to be, he wants nothing to do with being in the gym with all the other really strong kids. Cause he's like, just not that strong. So he loves lifting. He just doesn't really want to, you know, he wants to like get a little bit introduced to it, not in front of the huge, strong people that know what they're doing, you know? So I think sometimes just having and creating groups sometimes of like maybe a beginner class or something like that, or like a, an hour of like where they're not mixed in with like these people that know exactly what they're doing. Um, I don't necessarily think everyone should have like a special like circumstance, but I do think sometimes having maybe an hour of like, Hey, I know you've never done this before. Let's just like have fun. Let's just like move around. Let's, you know, so they're not intimidated by people that know what they're doing. But I think think it's mostly with girls, but I think one of the things that we do, you know, at at our one, key location is we have a high population of, of really, you know, solid female athletes and girls that love to train. And we really tried to foster that by, you know, really making a, a big deal out of, you know, we do it for everybody, but we really yeah. did, you know, did a, I thought we did a great job of really empowering, you know, some of our really good female lifters, um, you know, because, you know, we'll do our, on our max effort days, you know, we'll kind of go from rack to rack to make sure yeah. the coach is spotting them. And, and one of the things I started doing is, is trying to let, you know, like one or two of our really strong females go last, you know, because yeah. typically like, you kind of let, let the alpha go last, right? Because, you know, but we did it strategically where I would have, you know, one of our girls that's pretty strong or that loves to lift, like go last. So you have everybody watching her. And then it, you also then have some of those younger females, maybe in our next group, yeah, watching her, you know, getting empowered yeah, yeah. by some of the other stronger guys watching them. Um, and we saw that with Leah too, Dean, you know what I mean? When we went and watched her lift, I mean, she's squatting like 300 pounds more than the other guys were, you know, but that's empowering. And I think, I think coaches have to be strategic with how they do that, you know, right. because you can really, and they don't have to be the strongest one in the room, you know, right. they just have to be, you know, do something that people are getting excited about. And, and we've, we've created an incredible atmosphere in our, in our Wanakee location with, you know, females wanting to come in and train, not work out, but, you know, train. So, I mean, and it's people like you, Mary, that are, that are doing it, that are setting the bar high for people to watch. And that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Dean, fun. Dean anything else for Mary? Hey, just going to kind of th- throw this out at, at you, Mary, because this is going to air on Christmas day. Yeah. So I know you're extremely close with yeah. your family, you know, you, you're up North a lot and yeah. Now you're in Canada and you, you, you know, you miss being back home mm-hmm. and uh, dad's surrounded by four females, right? Four girls and my mom. So and five. Your mom. So let's, oh. a total of five here. Yeah. And uh, that takes a special man in itself. So any particular things you do in your family on Christmas day for, you know, the culture? 
Um, well, honestly, things are changing now because my sister, she has two kids. So like a lot of the, you know, it's pretty much about making sure those two kids have a nice Christmas, you know, and um, I don't really care what we do anymore. I just like I'm I'm big on just I'll sit at home. I'll just we don't need to do anything special. We don't have to eat anything special. I just I'm I think we're all kind of like that. We're all kind of low key and um, we're crazy together. And I think all of our husbands probably think we're a bunch of freaks, but that's <laughs> our, you know, it's we're big, loud family. And so, yeah, I'm just excited to be around them and see them. And yeah, I'm excited to see the kids. I'm my nephew's three, a little over three. So he's a really fun age right now. So most of the time, sometimes he's really naughty, but <laughs> most think, of the time it's fun to be around. I think that that's kind of like a, a an evolving trend because that's the way, yeah. you know, um, obviously this was a week later, but, you know, last weekend it would have been, uh, we had my family for Christmas and it was the yeah. same thing, right? It was, you know, we used to do like gifts and gifts and gifts and gifts and gifts and gifts. And, and we yeah. were just like, you know, we're just exchanging money. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, oh, yeah. you know, we did the old, you know, you, you draw a name and, you know, you get, you know, you get them this and we played bingo and, you know, we, we were going to order pizza, but everybody just brought a bunch of snacks. And you just hung out. Yeah, you yeah. Know what I mean, that's what the holidays is really about. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is, is appreciating and, and being around family dog. What do you guys do? What, what is, what I'll do they got? You, with I, I know one thing we don't dress all up in the same outfits, like the bot. <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah, I love that. I think the wife was trying to say, why don't we do that? Yeah. And, that's, uh, that's she, should, awesome. she should talk to my mom. My mom pulls that off every year. It's so. unbelievable when yeah. I see that. We, a lot of people do that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Everybody, the... everybody had their own elf name. I was the, yeah. uh, I, I won't share what mine was. <laughs> oh, that, that, that's awesome. I'm just hoping, uh, for example, my son lives out of state, so I'm hoping he can drive back. We were just talking about that bad weather coming in here so uh just hopefully everybody all of our listeners have a safe holiday and yep and uh really enjoy that family time we always tell our athletes it's a great time to put your phone away and you know have those conversations with family members don't be sitting there on the phone when grandma and grandpa are around yep. every moment you can because a lot of these kids are so busy yeah and just enjoy that family time food and i obviously yeah. Watch some sports as well that day. Yeah. Very Luckily, if, our house, our, my parents live in the middle of the woods. We don't get internet at our house. Oh, that's so even better. Really even work. Yeah, we don't have cable, never have. No internet, no cable. Hard so games? Yeah, pretty much just play games. We have a one of those bunny ears on the, on the ceiling, on the roof, so we can kind of get some TV if there's sports, and somebody will go out there and move it around if we can't get it. <laughs> but Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Mary, if our if our uh, listeners want to follow you on Instagram, what's your what's your Instagram? Coach Mary with three Y's. I got three Y's in it. Coach Mary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, everybody, give Coach Mary a follow. All right. Um, and for those of you listen, uh, try and help us grow the show by sharing it. Okay. Um, you know, we we we've gotten the message across. I think you know we're in the '90s now for episodes and um, share the show, sharing with coaches, things like that is a great episode. Uh, Mary shared some really good stuff and we're really thankful that you're on Mary. We appreciate you hopping on. We wish you the best of luck. Uh, everybody can follow her at her, at her Instagram, follow her, uh, path to the, to the Olympics, hopefully. And, um, other than that, I hope everybody just has a great holiday, great Christmas, very safe new years. Um, take some time. If you're, if you're, if you are an educator to take some time with your family, um, 
you know, we're very grateful for Dean and, and so many other educators that are, that are working with our young people on a daily basis. Um, but it's time that you get a little time, a little more time with your family, um, you know, shut it off a little bit. And then, you know, New Year starts, it's time to get going. Um, Sports Advantage Oconomowoc opens January 2nd. Ooh, yeah. We're going to get after it. Who trains like we do? We do. Okay. Um, have a Merry Christmas, everybody. We love you. Thanks for everything. Thanks for all of our followers. Um, have a great, great holiday season. Chop it.